Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you are hearing my voice and you're listening to the Egg Chasers podcast feed, well, don't worry about it. This is not a catastrophic error. This is exactly what was meant to happen because we are dual releasing this episode on both feeds. So if you're an Egg Chasers listener but you've not discovered the Rugby Dungeon yet, go and find it because there's loads more interviews like this. And if you're a Rugby Dungeon listener and you've not heard Egg Chasers, well, Go and listen to that, but I doubt that's really the case, is it? Anyway, if you subscribe to us via the podcast feed, the normal podcast feeds, thank you very much. We also have a YouTube channel where we put new content on pretty much every day now between myself and Tim. There is seldom a day that we've not got some opinion about something or other which has gone on in the world of rugby. Uh, we've also on Twitter, I'm at Jay Beardmore, Cocker's at Cocker. This podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon, and of course, Egg Chasers is rugby podcast and lastly if you do help us on patreon massively massively appreciated you're the reason that we're able to put out all the extra content and also the reason that we're able to do things like start up the rugby dungeon again and interview such great guests as the one we've got on today so let's not wait any further here he is. Before we get going, a quick thanks actually to Courtney Laws for arranging this. Thank you to Northampton for letting it happen but most of all thank you to Dan Bigger for uh, agreeing to come on. Dan how are you? My pleasure, John. Uh, yeah, really good, mate. Actually, really good. Just um, I've just safely negotiated the the putting down of my three year old boy, so um, that's uh, that's a mission in itself in the evening. So that's that's done and dusted. So I'm 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 all, I'm all yours for the next however long. Fantastic. Tell me, has your lad uh, got any heritable traits yet? Is he intending on ruining any home World Cups for England? Has he shown any any indication <laughs> to do that? <laughs> Not as of yet. He's quite. Um, he's very much into his uh, into his animals. Is his big thing at the minute. He hasn't shown a huge amount of um, of sort of interest in in rugby or anything yet. He gets. My, my wife actually said he gets quite. I think he gets quite upset seeing me on telly because he knows that I'm not at home. Then do you know what I mean? So ah. um, yeah, not not a, not a huge not a huge amount of interest in in a, in a ball yet, but. Um, if he's got any sense about him, he'll choose something other than rugby. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's strange actually. Uh, I've just started doing a bit, a, a bit of YouTube, and my daughters are two and five. And rather than hating the fact that okay. I'm on YouTube because they're obsessed by the damn thing, they absolutely love it. Oh, my little, my lads are saying we can't get at YouTube. Paw Patrol is the big thing at the minute, so that's kind of that's on Netflix and and YouTube. And you just scroll, you just scroll through videos and videos. And in, in fairness, on times. If you're up for, well, not so much at the minute, but in generally, if you're out for dinner or something like that, and he's starting to, starting to just just teeter on the edge, we tend to just chuck the iPad, get YouTube up, and, he, and he's well away then. So, uh, yeah, it's a lifesaver, mate, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, what have you been, what have you been up to today? Today we've had a... So, we tr- we played, obviously, late on Saturday night. Uh, disappointing results against Ulster. Mm. Um Played some really good stuff in that first half, but just fell away probably in that last 20 minutes. Um, so today has been a bit of a light day. So we, we came in early, had some, uh, obviously, the, the, you know, the COVID tests, as, as everyone is doing at the minute. Uh, and then we had a bit of recovery, uh, a weight session, some meetings, and then just like a bit of a, a Mondays t- always tend to be a bit of a walkthrough for us. So uh, walking through what plays we're taking into Friday's game against London Irish what sort of um, strategies we're talking and, and bits and pieces like that. And then a good a good hours kicking session after that. Uh, and then getting home to um, the, the real work where I've relieved the, the wife of the, of the little one for the afternoon then. So, uh, but it's been a good day, actually. It's been quite chilled and we've got a day off tomorrow ahead of um, 
ahead of back in back in training Wednesday then. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, just a quick question, quick topical question. I don't like asking these because obviously they date. But uh, why were you not kicking on the weekend? I, I noticed that Piers Francis was kicking. Uh, yeah, well, I'd missed the last couple of games because I had a, a little bit of an oblique strain. So um, I'd actually the the everything else doing everything was fine in terms of playing contact running everything like that but the the one thing that was a little bit i wasn't 100% comfortable on was actually goal kicking so oh, I, um, see. I had a chat with chris boyd at the start of the week and he said look he said obviously pierce francis can cover goal kicking just you know if you can get yourself fit for the game then then that would be great and and in terms of the game itself and playing wise there was no issue but it was just that gave gave me another week to just uh not quite sort of push that and um uh, and I've, I've yeah felt good today, so uh, hopefully I'll be back um, back doing the job on Friday night. So you spent an, an hour kicking today. Is that fairly normal for you in a um, uh, within a week? Yeah, so uh, the, the week's a little bit different for us this week because we obviously played Saturday and then we played Friday. So it, obviously everyone tends to get their weeks Saturdays today. But so today would normally be like a light session, mm-hmm. but because I missed it last week and. We're not back. We're not training tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I tended. I just thought I'd do a little bit more today, sort of get a, a good hours working, um, and then sort of work up a little bit for, for Wednesday and Thursday. And, and I've, I've noticed that I used to be, I used to be really bad when I was younger. For Pragmatic tomorrow is is a day off, but I, I used to find I'd always sort of be coming in on days off to kick ah. or uh, to do bits and pieces, and just just feel, and sometimes, not, if I'm honest, John, just because it look the right thing to do if that makes sense because you yes. see you hear obviously the stories of your your wilkinsons and you know how much they practice and the obsessive sort of nature of that and, I, and if i'm honest i probably thought that it was something that was the thing to do but actually mm. when you when you see what works for yourself is i found i'd be much better than just taking that day off spending it at home spending it with friends family and just switching completely off from rugby uh, rather than just going in and kicking yourself out of a bit of a rhythm as well, and um, so it's, it's finding that balance. But I've, I've found that that's been really good for me. The, the older I've got, that's really interesting because I say a lot about younger players, which is a lot of the way that younger players behave, and I don't blame them. I think it's almost like an IQ test for them, which is the the coach gives out an indication of how they want them to behave, and whether they are that yeah. way inclined or not, they then take on what the coach wants them to say rather than what they really think. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just got to go. And that's what I've learned over the years is you've just got to do what's right for you. Mm. And for, you know, there'll be there'll be sort of characters in this, in, in any squad who are, who will be difficult to control or difficult to manage and will be sort of whether it's, you know, whatever word you want to say, mavericks or, or, or challenging and things like that. But I think it's just... Well, that's what I find Chris Boyd is really good at because you, it's impossible to treat... 35 40 blokes are the same because yeah. everyone's different everyone needs different sort of um different methods and um and I, I just i just think it's fascinating to see how the, the good man managers of, of of players do it and and how perhaps it, you know other people don't but yeah it's i think it's just really important that we're a bunch of individuals playing a team sport effectively mm. um and and everyone is very different but it's it's about finding a balance between treating everyone differently but the same for the team for the better of the team as well yeah it's quite a daunting prospect that though isn't it that i mean obviously you've got welsh caps you were 
the first os- uh, what well, you were the youngest osprey to reach uh, to reach 100 appearances put it mildly you're you're quite well established so when you say you want to do it your own way that's uh, that's okay because you're damn bigger but i wonder at what point in a player's career they can turn around to the coach and say hang on a minute i'm going to do something a little bit different it's uh, I, I, yeah. I guess it's not always that easy no, it's not. And I, and I suppose that's a little bit of what we find at the Saints at the minute because we've got a youngish team. We've mm. got a team who are full, stacked full of potential and excitement and youth. And um, and I think it's just making sure that we uh, we, we just manage it. You know, they're, they're, in fairness to the, the, group, the, the group that we've got, they're fully aware that they, they probably need to do a little bit more gym work than perhaps the likes of myself or yeah. uh, you know, Courtney Laws or, or people like that, or they need to spend a bit more time on those aspects where, when they're still developing. So um, I think, I think we've got a good balance with, with the way we set it up here, but I, I totally understand. I, I don't know what the answer is when it gets to what stage it gets to, but I think, I think if you're performing on a Saturday and, and you know, you're consistently performing on a Saturday for year after year, I think it's, You'd be, you know, whether you're a 21 year old kid starting out or you're, a, you know, 31 year old with, you know, season pro, I think whatever gets the best out of the individual on a Saturday is probably the right way to go. Um, and and the problem you've got is if is if the form dips or you're not performing on a Saturday, then then that's when you, you probably need to be, you know, reined in a little bit. Yeah. Well, what do you make of your Northampton side at the moment? Because like I say, they've got bags of talent and you're sitting okay in the premiership. But I think what you say there rings true, which is they do need a little bit more gym work. Or there's just a little, there's about 5% missing somewhere, but I don't know what that 5% is. Yeah, we. I think a lot of it is having, especially in sort of big games, there's not, you know, the team is, is evolving and growing sort of game by game and year by year. But, what we haven't got is we probably haven't got a huge, huge amount of, of really, really big game experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, you know, the, the, the way we play is suited to what we've got as a, as a, as a team. We've got pace, uh, we've got ball handling forwards, and, and actually everyone sort of, our scrum and our mall actually over the last sort of couple of months have been a real weapon for us. So we're, we're evolving in that way as well. And the, the, the coaches deserve huge credit for that. But what we probably haven't got, and, and that's something that you can only get through um, experience and playing and, and and just being in the saddle. It, I suppose is that real, real big, uh, big match experience of of sort of winning big games, being in big games, and, and getting over the line. So I, th- I think we're one hundred percent on the right path. We've got a, a group of players who are going to be around the club for a long time, um, and I think it's about finding that balance between. Um, excitement and and real sort of energy to want to play the game fast and quick and having that little bit of um understanding of when the when the time is is right to put your foot on it and, and play a bit more pragmatic and uh, and get over the line in big games so i think that's that's probably where we need to get a little bit better mm. but the only way we can do that is by being in those occasions and playing and and, uh, and just yeah effectively being in those situations or you know, a bit more often. Yeah, so in terms of the way that Northampton play, in fact, in terms of the way that any team plays that you're involved in, do you see your role as executing what the coach wants or do you see your role as influencing what the coach should be doing because of your position? I think it's really difficult. I think uh, the position the position that I, that, that the, the 10 plays in general is, 
it's very much he has a big say in the game plan anyway sort of thing so whether it's like for argument's sake today i had said that i had we had a attack group meeting where which i was involved in with sam Vesti this morning and then i'd have another sort of um talk with him about our scrum attack and and then i'd, I'd have another talk with the defense coach about well, what setups are we going to bring in to, to counter what london irish do and so and obviously being perhaps a senior player, you get a fair bit more of a say in things in terms of you can you can, you know the, the coaches will maybe bounce a few more ideas off you, mm-hmm. and I think that's the way it should be. If I'm honest, I think you're nine, you're ten, you're captain. I think certainly should have the ideas bounced off, but ultimately the the coaches are in the position they're in because they understand what the team needs. So mm-hmm. it's up to us to to go out and execute that, but also have a little bit of that flexibility around it because you know. As, as good as as good as our coaches are, and as good as a lot of coaches are out there, it's really really difficult, and, and it's so different when you're actually on ground level playing as opposed to sat up in the stand with a perfect view. You've got the laptop on laptop in front of you where you yeah. can rewind and slow things down and look at things from four or five different camera angles. And so, so I think there always is going there always has to be a bit of give and take and understand that. Um, we're not always going to get things right, or the game plan isn't quite going to go exactly how we want, and we may have to adapt a little bit to what to what we feel on the on the pitch, as opposed to right. Well, we said this on a Monday that we're going to do this, and it's not just going through with it because we said it on a Monday. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, just out of interest, then, when you were moving from the Ospreys, you'd made the decision to go elsewhere, whether it be France or Premiership, mm. or when everything was up in the air before you decided to sign for Northampton. When people were approaching you for your signature. <laughs> Were they saying to you, look, this is how we think that you're going to fit in. This is how much say, say that say that you're going to have in, you know, what we do. What was the sort of sales pitch that people were coming at you with? And did that really make a difference? Well, uh, if I'm honest, I, I've never, this is, this is honestly, I've never ever had, a, I've never been in a position in my career where I've had um, a real choice of clubs if that makes sense yeah I've, I've always my i've always done my i've always done my deals whether it's re-signing with the ospreys or signing for northampton or re-signing with northampton i've always done my deals quite early yeah. so um it's kind of never got to that stage really where that whereas really? the, 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 the the time yeah honestly i've always managed and i suppose that's i hope in a way that's a compliment to me that i've never been in a position where i've had to rely on perhaps other people yeah coming in at last minute or, or whatever as well. So, so I'm looking at that as a positive. But when when I signed for Northampton, I signed a year early. Um, and, and Northampton were kind of, I suppose they, they were in the market for a 10, really. And that, and that was, you know, clear and obvious. And, they, you know, they'd made no secret about that. And it was basically just, yeah, a phone call. Um, sort of, um, you know, offering a, a contract. I, I, I drove up to Northampton with my agent and sat down with the guys and, um, talked over some some bits and pieces and how we we're going to play and uh, and obviously it, it was it it changed for me because obviously I signed with Jim Malander yes so Jim indeed. signed me and and then and then and then obviously lost lost his job unfortunately with with the way professional sport is it's ultimately a results business and and the team would perhaps going through a bit of a transition and a, and a rough patch and so all of a sudden then I had Chris Boyd who you know probably didn't have a huge amount of knowledge of of, of myself um, and vice versa really not a huge amount knowing about Chris and we met up uh, one evening in the summer in, in Northampton in the director's box and just sat there and talked rugby for the best part of two hours wonderful stuff and just getting 
Yeah, just and, and Chris is fascinating because he, uh, what I found really interesting with him is his experiences from um, obviously the Hurricanes and people like you know your Bowden Barretts and TJ Perinaras and people like that who and it was actually really fascinating to hear his um, his insight on the game of rugby compared to you know perhaps someone who you speak to regularly in terms of your your, your Welsh coaches or your your club coaches sort of thing. So that was actually really interesting for me and. Um, and, and I suppose it, yeah, we just got the deal done quite quickly then, really. And, and I suppose the, the, the easy thing to say is, is for me is it, it was there's no there's no doubt that it was it was a good offer for me to to, to move there mm. uh, to Northampton. I think that's you know any I'd be you know be, a, be lying if I said it wasn't a good offer that I was yeah. that I was I was thrown at. And um, but I think for me that the, the moment you sign your contract, the, that kind of gets forgotten about for me is. Um, as soon as I arrived in London, I wanted to make a difference on the field. I wanted to make a difference around the place in in terms of um, impressing people in training, the way I went about things, the way I drove standards, the way that um, I conducted myself, and, and bits and pieces like that. So um, yeah, so so all in all, it was a really I'm I'm really obviously disappointed with uh, Jim losing his job because it's not nice for anyone to see that, especially someone who who put a lot of faith in me and, and signed me, but. Um, you know, I'm really pleased with how it's worked out in terms of Chris and, and Sam Vesty coming on board. They've been really good for me as a player. Excellent. Just tell me about your conversation with Chris Boyd. How did his philosophies differ, say, from other coaches that you've worked with? Because, I mean, actually, thinking about it, you know, of all your coaches, probably, what, three of them have been New Zealanders? Gatland, Pivot, Boyd? Yeah, yeah, three. So the three, so I suppose your three big ones are, are, is what you'd say. They'd all they'd all be from, from New Zealand. And Chris, Chris is actually really... Differs a, differs a fair bit actually because he's very very laid back. You know, he, you never you never really get um, an impression that that you're playing out of your skin or you're you're, you're, you're the best team in the league. <laughs> yeah. But then flip that, you never really feel like um, there's a crisis going on or you know things are as bad as they seem, sort of thing. So that's really good. And I think from a ultimately, Chris is the boss of you know of the of the rugby organization and. I think it's really important the way that he conducts himself is very, very sort of flatline for the whole time, and I think that's really important that you you know you don't want someone who's up and down, especially for you know for a, a day in day out job. Um, but I suppose the, the the chat I had with Chris was was really really interesting actually because he he spoke a lot about um, actually a lot about Bowden Barrett and 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 I'm not comparing myself to Bowden Barrett in any way, shape or form because we couldn't be two different outside halves if we tried in terms of yeah, uh, in terms of the way that, the, the way that we both play the game and, and the strengths and weaknesses that we both have. But he was say he actually said something really interesting. He was saying that what makes um, Bowden Barrett so good is when he gets so good. All he wants off his sort of inside centre and centres is good quality talk. In terms of what you know, what pictures uh, really? what pictures are in front of them? Yeah, you saying that is. I said that what he, where he used to struggle a little bit was if he didn't get that really good communication and when people were quiet outside him. Uh, and I just thought that was really interesting because for the, for the world class talent and individual talent that that Barrett is, you're still so dependent as a ten on getting good good communication from your centres, getting good service from, you know, and, and, and the pl- the forwards laying you a good platform. And um, I just thought that was really interesting because that's the one thing that, that that I find really good. When you play with a with a 12 in particular who's got 
a great voice on him and can see pictures and give you information early, it just makes a difference to the way you play. You're not thinking of, right, am I trusting that call? Am I, you know, what's the picture in front of me? I'm not getting much information. Have I got to sort of catch the ball, look at the picture, then execute your skill? Yeah. All you've got to do is execute your skill. If you've got a good 12 talking That's... to you, and I thought that was that was really interesting speaking to him for probably half an hour on that topic. And um, and actually, he mentioned quite a good, a few times that him and uh, Paranara would be, at each other's throats in training, and or, or not, not actually, but in terms of, you know, really finding a point, whether it's a, a scrum defense setup or yeah. an attacking setup, if they didn't agree on it or if they didn't see eye to eye to it, it wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, we'll we'll sort it out. It was kind of they, he used to say that they'd they wouldn't neither of them would let it go until they were both satisfied with it, and and if they weren't, and I thought that That's was really, really good because I've had because you get you know your nine and ten is so important and i've played with some great knives over the over the years and um i think it's really important that your nines your nine and ten can have that relationship you can be quite narky with each other you can be quite sort of um i suppose i suppose just at just at each other because you know as long as you're at each other then that means you're on you, you know you're on that edge you, you can you can guide the team and put the team in the best position. So I think that that was really interesting. But yeah, it was, it was just fascinating to speak to him for. So what's the last for, thing for someone that, who? Sorry, sorry, no, for just for someone who I, I suppose I hadn't, I didn't know a huge amount about. Um, so I suppose it was just probably an ex, an exercise for the pair of us of finding out about a bit about each other and um, and getting to where we got to. But I, honestly, I, I think I've, I've got so much respect for Chris in terms of what he's what he's done here and, and how he's been with me he's been absolutely world class with me and um, I'm really grateful for, for everything he's done for me so what was the last thing that you and Chris disagreed on and you had to iron out um, well again not a huge I don't have too many disagreements with Chris actually we're, we're pretty we see things quite I think we see things quite similar yeah. I think that what um that first conversation we had so uh, yeah not i'm actually trying to rack my brain what we what we agreed with. i always remember i always remember once um it may not be exactly probably following on directly from your question because it's very difficult i haven't had a huge amount of disagreements but <laughs> we played gloss we played gloucester a couple of years ago saying that we'll probably have a a huge row on Wednesday. So if we have a huge row on Wednesday morning, I'm blaming you for this now. Well, yeah, I mean, just find me a text. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, we played Gloucester a couple of years ago and um, and I, I was, I was, you, you know when you know when you're not quite at it in terms of whatever it is, whether whether it's your, your work or you're not quite at it in terms of when you wake up in the morning and things. And I, and I know, and I knew that I wasn't at the races quite the way I would expect to be. Mm. Um. And, and lots of other coaches who I've been involved in would be, I suppose, not on to you because it's their job to, to pick you up or if you haven't performed well. But it would be quite an awkward moment where you just feel like you haven't you haven't performed well and you know that you're sort of you're in for a bit of a, a rollicking or you know that you're going to be picked up on things and everything. And um, and I and I actually went up to Chris and I said, "Oh look, I just want to say that I know that that wasn't good enough from me on the weekend, and I know that I need to do better." Mm. Uh, and he said, "He said, oh, he said, look, he said, I've been around the game. You've been around the game long enough to know that both of us would would have sat back on Saturday night and realised that that was nowhere near where you're capable of being, or not nowhere near your best." 
Um, but he said, you know, that, that's part and parcel of it. You, it's how you now deal with the next week, yeah, uh, and go from there. And I and I just thought that that was a really good bit of man management. It could have been really easy for him to sort of come into the team room and say, "Oh, come and come and have a sit down in my office for ten minutes or whatever," or let's let's go through everything. And and I think he just knew that I knew that I was disappointed with it. And I think I think the relationship me and him have got has has, has really grown in that aspect. That it, there's not many disagreements there. We we see things quite clearly, but 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 also it's kind of um, it's quite refreshing to be able to sort of not have someone on your back. If yeah. that makes sense, you, um, you know that if you have a bit of a, a, a bad performance or you feel like you're off it a little bit then you're not going to have someone there jumping straight back, jumping straight on you. You sound like you're quite interested in the man management and the psychology side of the game. Do, do I have that wrong? No, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's really, really, I think if I'm, if I'm honest, it's probably, it's probably more important than perhaps the actual coaching because at the, at the top, top level, it's, there's probably very, there's very little between your top coaches, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. your, and your top, players you know, you know you, you're always going to have your your exceptional and your, your world-class standard players but and coaches but there's probably very little between um between them and I think it's the way that you make your players feel and again going back to the point we made earlier about everyone is everyone needs something different so for argument's sake like uh, I'll just use like Tom Collins for, for example mm-hmm. who I think is one of if how he's not been recognised by England is is beyond me because I think he's absolutely yeah. brilliant for us. Honestly, he's he should, in training he's absolutely tearing tearing trees up and everything, and he, he's absolutely brilliant. But he's the type of player that needs a real arm around his shoulder and just you know almost being told he's the best in the world because he just needs that confidence and and sort of um, really sort of I suppose just big enough if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas, you know, for argument's sake, for me, like I, I, you can you can call me what you want. You can you know come out and say, "Oh, Biggs, that was rubbish on the weekend," or you know that's not acceptable or whatever. So, so I just I just think it goes back to how you manage your players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I suppose a coach is never going to you know I suppose the, the best coaches are the ones that pick you. When you you always you're never going to say particularly good things about a coach that doesn't pick you. <laughs> yeah. and, and that and that's but that but that's the way the world is, isn't it? That's how it that's how it works. But one thing I would say about Chris, I don't think there'd be, even though he's got to make a, a lot of tough calls selection wise, and I don't think there'd be many lads who would who would be bitter with Chris for not playing or or. Um, or for how he's dealt with people, people in the in the in the club, because it's such a difficult job to do, and I think that that sort of shows how well that he's managed to do that. And yeah, I suppose it's just just for me. I think if you can make your players, or if you can make your uh, yeah your your players and your product feel good going onto the field, or feel like you you're getting a bit back and you you're giving a bit to the players, and and you and then you're working them hard. And then so so I think it's just a trade off for me that. Mm. I really enjoy that side of it, and I think I'd 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 much rather you know, whereas you know whereas Gats for argument's sake, Gats was perhaps the opposite of that, but he was really quite clever in how he did it. He knew that how to keep players right on the edge in terms of you know one 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 afternoon he'd walk down the corridor and he'd sort of ask he'd sit down and he'd or he'd stop and he'd talk for you for you know for ten fifteen minutes about you know everything from from rugby to family to 
to ke- you know to whatever and then the next day it would just be a, a sort of a, a raise of the eyebrows or whatever and oh. so he'd always sort of keep you guessing with how but but I quite I quite like that from Gats actually I quite liked that he was um you never quite knew where you stood with him yeah and and I think that's sort of that was his way of dealing with it and again the success that Gats has had has proved that 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 method works as well so it's 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 really interesting how you how you can track people and, and how people um how people manage you know your players i suppose oh it's a it's a bizarre sport i mean it's a whole it's actually a bizarre subject because you know like i say eddie jones apparently is the ultimate you know mind game specialist and i think about your story then when you said uh you know chris boyd said yeah well that's fine because we know you're capable of better and it's a bump in the road i'm thinking Maybe the better the better approach there would have been to give you a good bollocking in front of the players, so everybody knows that even star players don't get don't don't get away with it. Even if he pulls you aside later and says, "You know, look, Dan, I just had to do that for, do, do that for the boys." Yeah, I, I can I can assure you, I've had a few of those off gas over the years. Don't worry about that. I've definitely had a few of them off gas. <laughs> yeah. but, but again, that's kind of like, but but I think it goes back to like you know you're saying about like man management for. Um, for coaches to players, but I think it, I think it works both ways as well because I think, you, you, you know, us as me as, or certainly me as a player who's been around for a while knows that you, you're never just going to get all positive and all good things off a coach. Mm. And I think it's how you, you know, and if you're not going to, if you're not in this frame of mind to take a bit of flack or a bit of criticism from a coach or a, fellow player or whoever you know whoever it is then you're you're probably in the wrong sport and in, in the wrong profession sort of thing yeah. so i think for me it's about you know i wouldn't you know and for me as soon as that meeting was over or whatever or if you've been pulled up on something or you've had a rollicking in front of in front of the team or you've been pulled up in front of the team as soon as that meeting's over for me it's just like okay well you know move forward what's the next part of the day or what's the next sort of way of getting over it and I think that's part and parcel of it like if you're gonna you know I would never dream of just sulking around the place for a couple of days after after having a bollocking off the coach or yeah or anything like that so I think it goes I think it goes both ways because everyone always says oh the man management of a coach isn't good or whatever but you know I think the players are, are responsible for it as well so here's a thought then I mean if Chris Boyd is the number one authority in Northampton which of course he is I reckon you must be what on that list, maybe two or three in terms of who the players turn to. <laughs> like, you know, uh, how am I doing? What do I, what, how am I, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? How do you go about managing the players? Because, you know, your your opinion is important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'd be, I don't think the lads would be impressed with you saying I was number two or number three <laughs> in, the, in the packet order in say uh, They'd probably give you a bit of stick for that. But um, I suppose, yeah, again, it, it's, it's, it's understanding what works for certain players. Like I know, again, you know, for argument's sake, someone like a Rory Hutchinson, mm. who, who I think, again, I think is absolutely world class. He's good, isn't he? Can probably, yeah, oh, he's absolutely unbelievable. Ball in hand, he's as good as anyone in the in the league by you know easily. But he's, you know, I, he's again, I'm, I'm, he's quite good. I know that I can sort of ride him a little bit harder in terms of I can be on to him about if his if his quality isn't quite up or you know. Or if he's if he's slacking on a little bit and, and things like that. Whereas again, someone like a, a Tom Collins or a, uh, an Ollie Slight who's coming through and a little bit younger and still learning the game a little bit, you probably know that you can be. You just need to, you know, you need a little bit more empathy with them and you just need to talk them through it a little bit and 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 work them round. So, yeah. um, so I think that's been 
again, that's that's part and parcel of being in the job that I'm in. You know, you're in a position where you have to make big calls and you have to control your, your team, and and I think that goes with it as well. And that's something I'm actually quite I quite enjoy because again, there's it's just certain people who you know you can probably you know let some steam off at, and there's other people as well who probably if you let some steam off that, you're going to get a clip, you know, you're going to get a mouthful <laughs> back as well sort of thing. So it's picking and choosing what's that. But it's just, again, it's just that man management in terms of knowing who you can, who you can sort of ride quite hard and who you can, you know, who you have to sort of slacken off, slacken off on. So the thing which blows my mind con- continuously when I think about it is, um, well, are players like Marcus Smith, you know, 19 years old and, and you're playing with a guy who you know quite well, uh, presumably in J- um in Jamie Roberts a few years ago. And I'm thinking, here's this 19-year-old lad and he's bossing around Jamie Roberts who was like line of the series in South Africa. Yeah. And I just don't understand how that dynamic can possibly work. But you've been in exactly the same the same position yeah. and with some of the biggest stars in, in Wales. Yeah, it's strange how it does work, isn't it? In terms of all of a sudden you've got... Um, it's exactly the same what happened when I, when I came through. I was thrust into, into a team with uh, Jerry Collins, Marty Holler, uh, Lee Byrne, Tommy Bow, Mike Phillips. So, so all of a sudden, then you're, and I suppose I, I, I just went for the, I went for the full. Well, they've picked me for a reason. They picked me because of what they've seen previously. So I'm not going to change. Um, I'm not going to change anything until now. Yeah. Um, and, and and if I'm honest, the one time I probably felt when I first came into the Wales setup, when they had a real sort of senior spine of um, probably like, you, you know, Gethin Jenkins, Martin Williams, uh, Stephen Jones, you know, those types of guys. That's the one time I probably felt I was going into training a little bit nervous about um, mm. sort of speaking up or putting my authority onto it. Um, and I think that's, that's probably was a, a bit of a turning point for me because I just couldn't, that, that's not how the, the way I play the game or the way I, that I conduct myself, um, and and I and I got a, and I yeah it's, it's just the way I've always been really. And like you said, you know, I can I can tell you now that Jamie would have wanted um, Marcus Smith to be calling the shots and to be calling in, you know, to be sort of vocal and telling him what's going on as opposed to the other way around because that that's what you want from your your tens and your you know your leaders sort of thing. I think I think. Uh, I think sometimes a lot too much falls on the the ten as well. I think that uh, on times I think it needs to be spread out because your ten's got so much to focus on throughout the whole game. Sometimes, like you said, especially with the way we play Northampton, we've got such good ball playing players in uh, centres in terms of like like your Hutchinsons, Piers Francis, people like that. So an extra pair of hands to just take a bit of pressure off, make a few calls for you as well is really helpful. But I suppose, it, yeah, it's just the way that it's just the way that I suppose I've always I've gone into the game that knowing that as soon as you go quiet and as soon as you don't dictate and boss the team around is when the team will probably revert against you yeah. or not not go against you, but w- won't respond as well to you when when you need to. Then, so I know rugby is far more collegiate, not literally, but you know, metaphorically than say um, say American football. Yeah, you know, the teams are far more stable, and I think you guys get on far better and where i'm going with this is do you feel you're in a situation now that you can share some of your wisdom with the younger tens in the club or are you very much uh, wary that these lads would quite like your shirt at some point no absolutely no i'm 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 the exact uh, exactly what you said first up i um, we've got a great lad in um in james grayson in northampton mm-hmm. who 
is going to be an absolute star of the future, and he's got you know he's got an all round game which is going, only going to get better and better. And uh, and if I'm honest, it's you know I, I'm as much as I can, I'll try and get um, get James out when when I'm going to do some kicking sessions or um, sort of have chats with him about rugby or grab a coffee with him before after training or whatever because I think that's really important because I know that when I was coming through that's that's what I want that's what I had and that's what I wanted mm. the last thing you want to do is have someone who's perceived and, and I, I don't see myself in any way shape or form in this I don't see myself Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com/records. as um you know me up here and him and James down here because I see we're both playing 10 for the club one one week James or a couple of weeks James will play and then a few weeks I'll play or, or whatever it is so I don't see myself as that and I, I think that's what's really it's probably quite a big strength of mine I, I don't yeah. see myself as this guy ab- above the guys who are coming through the academy or the boys who are just breaking into the team I think it's more especially for me going to a, a, a side I think it's important for me to integrate with the the tradition of the club and and the players that are there. So I suppose for me, it's it's about trying to give as much help and and information and and guidance to to the young guys as possible. But as well, the, the way the game the games change a little bit as well. Like the, the guys coming through are so confident now. Anyway, they've got yes. you know they've they've got vo- they've got voices. Of, it's changed from when you know when I started coming through and. Um, the guys are so confident. The guys are, you know, a lot of young guys are coming through at the right time as well. And they, they seem to be a lot more comfortable in themselves as opposed to perhaps just one or two boys creeping into the first team. Whereas now there's a lot more guys at a similar age breaking through together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to play devil's advocate there, I guess it would be easier to dispense all of your wisdom if you were comfortable right at, right at the top of the tree there. Because I, I imagine it gets a lot more tasty if you've got two tens. Broadly speaking, the same age, same talent, fighting for game yeah. time, looking for fi- looking for places in semi-finals and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably right. But I also the way I look at it is when we won the uh, the one when we won the Grand Slam in 2019, I was I was coming off the bench for uh, obviously for Gareth Anscombe. Yes, yeah, so- and I, I think I think it was yeah you know me me and Gareth again would do exactly the same as what myself and James would do. We'd chat through. Um, uh, games we obviously spend a lot of time together in terms of kicking, uh, kicking sessions. Look at the way we want to play the game. Talk about different bits and pieces, and 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 I just think that if you if you get on, I'm, I'm not a massive. If I'm honest, I'm not a massive believer. And you know, everyone says about it's great to have competition for for players 
I'm not a massive believer in that. I think that if you're, I won't say comfortable in your position, mm. but if you know sort of where the you know, where where you stand and whether that's or not involved or starting, whatever it is, I think if you know where you stand for that period of time, you're in a much better space to sort of focus your energy into what the team or what you need as an individ- individual, as mm-hmm. opposed to, or, you know, second guessing the coach or second guessing the player and, and also having a good relationship with, with the, your, comp- your, you know, the people you're in competition for, because, you know, you're not going to gain anything from offish to people or not passing on something that you think is good, good value to the team. Because the way I look at it is I'd never want to be that person. Anyway, I'd always want to have, you know, the same back, whether it's, whether I'm, again, whether I'm speaking to, you know, a Johnny Sexton or a, an Owen Farrell or, or, or sort of the, the younger guys at, at the club where I'm at in Northampton at the minute. I just, th- I just think that I'd, I'd like to think, and, and I hope that, you know, you, you may get 10 guests come on and say the opposite about me, but um, <laughs> I'd like to think that I, I, tr- I try and treat people exactly the same, whether I'm starting, whether I'm not involved, whether I'm on, on the bench or, or people are ahead of me or, or not ahead of me. I'd, I'd like to think that I'm always the same with people because um, that's exactly how I'd want to be treated if I was you know, starting, not involved or on the bench or whatever. Now, I do think actually Northampton are building something pretty special um, over in Franklin's Garden. I, I think you're absolutely right about the young players and only getting better. But I'd just like to investigate a little bit, a little, um, a bit about uh, your time at Ospreys, particularly those early years, because I think that might have been one of the great Welsh teams which just didn't quite get to where it wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, I think uh, so. In those year, early, in those early years, we won, we won two Pro Fourteens mm. or two Pro Twelves at a time, and both Pro both Pro Twelves we finished second in the table, and we then went and beat Leinster in the RDS in a final in their own backyard, sort of after they just won the European Cup as well. So there's no doubt that to have done that, you have to be a pretty good side anyway. So that you know that that sort of ticked off in, in terms of achieving that. Where where we where we probably fell short, and there's there's no argument against it. Probably is is in is in Europe. I think. Yeah. In particular, the one that stands out for for me was when we went down to we played Biarritz in San Sebastian mm. in uh, 2010. I think it was now. And um, yeah, we I think we lost like 32, 31, or whatever it was, and it was. I think I think we all felt that that was the year. If we could have negotiated that tie, um, and you know, we were we were probably the better side in that game for for most of it. Um, I'll never forgive Damian Try he hit two of the ugliest drop goals I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Honest, honestly, I'm not even kidding. They were absolutely horrendous strikes, and they crept over the bar about that much. So, and that was a difference in the end. But I, I think there's. I don't know. It was it, and again that was tough to sort of get over and, and take because I think that we'd have we'd have had a home semi final in or a home country semi final the, the following week and I think we'd have backed ourselves there. We were on a good run as well. So, but there's no doubt we underachieved in Europe. There's with the side we had and the te- the team that I was coming into. We had uh, we had oh yeah, we had Paul James, uh, Hugh Bennett or Richard Hibbard, Adam Jones, Alan Wynn, Jonathan Thomas, Marty Holler, Tia. Jerry Collins, Ryan Jones, Michael Phillips. You know the, the list. Just the list is just you know it was a joke of a team really, and um, not to deliver more than a quarter final in 
in the time I was there was was pretty disappointing. And, and then the dynamic changed after probably 2012, 2013, when the, the financial restraints came into Welsh rugby and, you know, a lot of those players moved on or retired or left or, um, and then it was kind of you were in a you were you went from having a team which I I came into or, or kind of I suppose inherited a team where you had a team of superstars to a team where you had to rely on young guys coming in or um, academy products or players playing out of position and the squad depth just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and and you know we did we did okay in the league. We always would finish sort of you know around the top four or or just below. But it was. You know, you. I think the mindset of us all going from, well, certainly from me anyway, because I came into that team. The mindset of coming into into a side that was packed with the quality we had um, was difficult to then go into a team that was would would always always compete in games, but just probably didn't quite have enough to get over the line in you know come that end of season time sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, it was it was a frustrating time. Even though I look back on those times, and I, th- I think it, had I not had the team and the players around me coming through, I, I think I'd I'm not sure if I'd be where I was today because that stood me in such good stead having that quality of player around me to to start my career off. I think. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Sort of I think... made life pretty made life pretty easy for me, really, if I'm honest. Because I, I always think a really nice thing about having, playing with nice, well, with with good quality players, even even at low level. You don't know what good is. People can tell you what good is, but until you actually see it, it's very hard to un- to understand it. Yeah, I think um, that's, I think that's a really good point because it's easy for it's, e- it's easy for me and you to discuss here and say, oh, you know, Mike Phillips was a good was a great player, or James Hook was a great. But I think you don't quite realize how sort of talented or how good they are until you sort of lining up with them or you're playing against them and. And you see that quality and, and day in day out, and I think, again, it's it, yeah, it's just one of those things where you were, you were just sort of, and you knew that every training session with the quality of players you had there, you were going to get better as well. You were get, or your standards had to improve yeah. to keep up with them, or you 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 pick something up off off them in training and take that into the game or, or whatever it was. And um, yeah, I think I think we were. Yeah, we 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 were. Re- I was really lucky to be able to learn and see those players up close and personal, sort of from a very young age. Yeah. So interestingly, I went for a coffee uh, a couple of years ago now, and it, I went went for a coffee with that, a guy. That was the, that was the last time we were allowed to go for coffee <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. I think. Yeah, yeah. Before we were prisoners <laughs> in our own home. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was with a football scout. He used to be a professional footballer, and then he started running this football website. And he went around basically doing what I do, but just interviewing various people, uh, but in football. And he was saying that the Belgium national team have got a Dutch coach in their academy structures. And the way that they got all those great Belgian players to be as great as they were was not to put all the good kids together, but to distribute the talent amongst lots of pools of average talent. Because the theory went... If they weren't good enough to keep up with the good talent through natural sk- natural skill, they would then develop um, strategy and tactics and tactics movement and so on. And that's why they had such a deep cadre of players. Yeah, well, like I said, you, I think that's. I, I think it's just really uh, that's really interesting because you can't. I, I suppose, like you said, you just don't until and again until you get thrown in as well, or until until you get you know. You you think you're probably up to that standard, 
but then all of a sudden when you when you get into that big pool you think you, you know you're a little bit out of your depth here or you think well do you know what i've actually you know what i've actually think i belong here or or whatever and, and i think that the, the difference between and, and i'd use an example of that the, the step up from your club game to your international game is kind of like that yeah. when you start when i started out playing internationally even you know my first few caps were against um were against canada and samoa and and, and teams like that and even at but even against those teams just that difference of pace and intensity and and i, and I was thinking the first few i was thinking this is a you know this is a pretty tough slog here you know how do, how do how do people manage to get to sort of 80 or 50 60 70 80 caps but i think the the more you're in it the more you adapt to to different scenarios to different training methods to different and and, and i suppose it's just time time as well isn't it in yeah. terms of you're going to learn and and i think it's such a big such a big part of this game and, and probably professional sport is 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 in your head and mentally isn't it that you need to be able to be mentally strong to deal with the disappointments or to, to deal with you know to have your confidence or, or or whatever it is i just think it's so interesting that um the sport that we play you know it's even though it's so reliant on 14 other guys on the field is you know I, I've I've gone through I've gone through phases in in my career where I think I'm never going to miss a kick or I'm not going to I'm never going to have a bad game ever again and then I've also been in stages or patches in my career where I thought do you know what this 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 could go over this could not go over or do you know what I'm really struggling for formula and and it just the mindset and the, the what it exerts to other people off off you, whatever your mindset is, is so interesting. I think. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating comment from you because every time I watch you, the one thing which stands out above everything else, I'm sure you won't be uh, pleased to hear that, actually. But is but is your, <laughs> but, but is your self confidence? Like it, it just, it, and I think like if I was playing with a player like that with so much self confidence, that then gives me the confidence to play. But the fact that you've got doubts, I mean, you either, well, you. Let's put it this way. You must yeah. hide them pretty well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Perhaps I'm not. Perhaps that I wasn't saying. Maybe I wasn't saying that I have doubts because I always think I always back myself and and everything. But I think there's always a difference. I think there'll always be a difference. And, and the best way I look at it is I have. And this may sound. I said it to a couple of the lads after the after the France game we played in the Six Nations. I said I feel, and this may sound completely strange or irrational or not quite right but i feel like i'm at my absolute best or i feel at the, the the peak of my confidence or the peak of my um ability or sort of thing. when i'm really really at myself my teammates the, you know the referee the coach like i always i feel like i'm i i need and of course there's there's obviously a, a balance which you need to keep but that. i feel like i've got to be right up on that edge for me to to really get the best out of me um and and the people are, and then people are always like like we always have we always have a bit of a fun a laugh and a joke on the field the boys are always like pigs just calm down and do the next <laughs> job and things like that i'm like i said just i said i've been doing this for 10 years so don't worry about me in terms of guys like I'm, I'm quite comfortable in terms of like having a bit of a bit of a rant thing but moving on to the next thing and is it, um is but yeah so, of- so, so i suppose it's not really doubt it's just having that confidence and 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 and, and knowing that that's where that's where you need to be to to perform better, I suppose. 
Is this in any way similar to the Tom Brady chip on the shoulder? Even though it's clear that nobody thinks that he's a bad quarterback. He goes around saying things like, oh yeah, I need to prove this to someone or you're having a rant at Sinclair for whatever reason it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who will say I'm a pretty bad outside half anyway, so maybe not the same <laughs> as Tom Brady. But um, I, I think I think there's there's always an element, and I feel that, I do feel that. I feel like every single time, I feel like every session I turn up to uh, with Northampton, with Wales, every game I play for Wales, every sort of, every moment, I feel like I've always got to prove, uh, I've always got to prove something to someone. Yeah. Um and I suppose that's what I suppose drives me. I suppose really is that, and and I and I get that being being a number ten in Wales is, I suppose part and parcel of of the job. But also, it's you, you're probably judged harsher than than probably most most other positions on the field. Um, but I I always I never like I looked at I, I looked at my um, after we won the Six Nations in. Um, in back, you know, a few weeks ago, that was that was my my third Six Nations medal. I, I've managed to get on a, a Lions tour. I've got ninety plus caps, you know, a couple of Pro 14s titles, and um, a load of games under my belt and, and achievements and things. But I still never feel as if I still feel like I've got to be the best in training for Northampton today or Wednesday to warrant my selection or to to warrant getting picked. Yeah. In um in a in a squad or or to I suppose to just warrant based or or to be seen as that who can do this or do that and perform well. So I suppose I I don't see myself we were about to someone and it's easy to do it. I, I just think of myself as someone who who isn't or hasn't achieved perhaps what I've achieved in my career and feel like I always need to get better and always want to achieve more and win more and um so I suppose that's why it's really easy for me just to get on with, you know, playing in the same position or, or really sort of want to drive myself really. I suppose that's that's probably why I always feel like I've just got to prove myself every game I go in and, and I feel like if if I don't play well, then the knives are out for me, sort of thing. So then it's like X with it even more and I've got to work even harder sort of thing. Well, just on the knives are out for you, I think that's an interesting point because yeah, I've interviewed a lot of players now and I do find that players who play in Bath tend to find, you know, they, they love it. So it's, it's, it's a great club, but it is a bit of a goldfish bowl. Now, if you increase that by about mm. 50, you probably get where you are with Wales. And yeah, has going to Northampton sort of relieved a bit of pressure? Uh, yes and no. I think um, yes and no. Again, I think I think that I, like we just like I've just explained. I think I'm that person that if I was playing for um, I don't know a, a team in Japan or Eric, you know, I still think I still just think that I would want to be the best player in training on Monday or. I'd want to prove why they've signed me or, you know, and so I suppose the pressure is always, is always internal, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, so it's not, but, it doesn't really suppose, bother you the, like the press side of things is, is, is what I'm asking. The, 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 not, not particularly because I just think, 
and and and, and people, you know, people who say, "Oh, they they never see anything, or they don't read anything, or whatever," they, they, I'll tell you for a fact they're all barefaced liars if they say that they never <laughs> read anything. And I'm not on social media or anything like that, but you, it's the, the the world you're in at the minute. You pick stuff up, don't you? And, and you yeah. see things on online or or whatever. But anyway, the, I think I don't know because I, I think I've done okay. Maybe me at the, the, the stage I'm at now, it, it doesn't bother me even more because I think, well, do you know what? I've, I've done all right for someone who, who gets called uh, pretty average by the press most weeks or, or whatever. But um, <clears throat> just, just being out out of the, the the goldfish bowl and in Wales and and I'm, do you know what? More so from a off field side of it, if that makes sense. Like yeah, absolutely. If we, it does. if we play for Northampton on a if we play on a Saturday, we're actually living in a, a small town called Brackley, which is basically halfway between Northampton and Oxford. Yeah. Um, and, and not a lot of people are hugely into rugby here. And certainly, you know, we go to, we spend a lot of time in Oxford on days off and things. And, and you know, that's, you know, there's not really anybody interested in rugby down there. So to go out for dinner or go out shopping or take a little one out for whatever we do on a day off and not have people come up to you and want to talk about the game has been really really refreshing and really quite nice um because when you are in wales or whatever you pop down you know tesco's for a pint of milk or or, you know some days if you if you've had a bad performance or a bad loss with wales you you know you you send you send the missus down the shop (laughs) to get a pint of milk or something uber eats for you end up sort of sitting leave you know you don't really want to yeah, you don't want to be going out to pick up food, or uh, but you know that last part and parcel of it. But I've learned as well, especially especially since having a little one, that I think that's been a huge change in in the mindset of the press and the pressure. I've I've really sort of put it into a bit of perspective that um, why you know it's not fair on my on it's not fair on on my wife, and my little boy that if we've had a disappointing result or performance or whatever that we shouldn't be able to go out and go for lunch and yeah, not exactly. worry about what people, you know what I mean? So I think that's kind of made a, made a big change in it, but yeah, but there's definitely a side of me, which has enjoyed coming up here because, um, because rugby Northampton's mad rugby town and the, the fans are demanding the, 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 the coach, everything's demanding here, but and that's why I, I, I wouldn't have it any different, but being able to go for, for dinner on a day off or, or not worry about sort of, Going out and being pestered and asked a million questions about the game um, on a Sunday or a or a Saturday afternoon is is quite a nice and quite refreshing to to be up here. Absolutely. Now uh, this is the last. This is probably my last rugby question, and then I've got one more for you for after that. Yeah. Um, obviously, you were developed in Wales. You went through the Osprey system. I mean, was, I mean, in fact, you're so synonymous with the Ospreys. I can't remember the ten before you. I actually had to look him up. Um, however. A lot of lads now are getting developed in England and having to move back into Wales. Well, in, in some cases, they're not even from from Wales yeah. because of the um, because of the eligibility rules. Uh, do you think your your career would have gone differently if you were developed in England and moving back? And would you give them any, um, any advice when they when they move back? Yeah, it's, that's a difficult question, really, because I think the the one thing I would say is that we've the academy setup that we had when we came through was was, was absolutely top draw in fairness. And in terms of the Ospreys, I, I can't comment too much on on, but 
on other clubs. But you look at Fragment Sake, the, the under twenties team that we had um our year was myself, uh Lee Halfpenny, uh Jonathan Davis, Sam Warburton, uh Justin Tipperick, um, Reese Webb, you know, so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, Dan Evans who played who played yeah. over two hundred times for the all you know, so so all of a sudden you're looking at that's a huge you know, that's a that's a pretty impressive group of players to come through and, and go on to achieve what they've achieved and the amount of senior caps and, and bits and pieces like that. So I can only say from the, the time that I've come through, it was absolutely top draw. But I suppose what, the difference and, and everything, I think everything is geared at the minute is they want or they want as many Welsh available players or Welsh players to be playing or being set up in Wales at the minute with the eligibility rule, and I think that's a big thing, big push for them at the minute. But um, I would, I would say that even for a player of my sort of experience and age, coming to um, coming to England or coming to a different club and a different league has opened my eyes in terms of what is out there and what um, you know. Sam Vesti, I'd say, is if I if I had Sam Vesti when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty coming through, I think I would have been. A much better player than what I what I am now. And that's, really, and you, I honestly, I think I, I'm absolutely. I, I say this to and and Sam, I always I always laugh when I do this because Sam is the biggest sort of rugby geek you'll ever come across. And he's he's a bit like uh, he's a bit of a nerd in terms of that sense, but but he's exactly what you'd want from a coach. Yeah, um, he makes you. I think he makes you better. The aim for him is to make you a better rugby player every session, and and and, things like that. and I and I just think that I don't want. I, I just think for me, it's really important that you don't shut yourself off or restrict yourself too much to to what is safe for you. And I think there's so many good coaches, teams, players, um, setups out there that I think for me, coming outside of Wales, really opened my eyes to that. Um, so I, I suppose. I suppose that the big thing is the people that the, you know for guys who who are not at the sixty cap level is is what I suppose what means more to them in terms of the, the, the Welsh jersey is is a huge sort of pull on everyone, and for 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 guys who potentially looking to come back to Wales, it may well work out that way for them in mm. terms of they may be at an English club that that's all they've ever known, and they could come to to a to a Welsh region or you know back to Wales and. And find that they they absolutely love it, and just a change of voice sometimes helps as well. So, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think I think I, I've certainly been opened up to, you know, the the world is a big place, isn't it? And it, even though I've only, you know, only moved a few hours up the road, it's it's been a really good move for me in terms of seeing what's you know what's out there, and compared to being stuck in a in a smaller bubble back in back in Wales. You know, what? I think that's a really really good point there. I think it's about diversity of experiences. You know, whether it be France or yeah. England. I mean, look at Josh Adams. You know, it didn't really work for work for him in Wales. Comes over to Worcester, does brilliantly. And now he's back, tearing up yeah. trees in Wales and, again. Absolutely, yeah. Josh, uh, Josh is a prime example in terms of again not particularly fancied in Wales at, at the time. So it could have been, you know, could have been a really easy decision for him just to have stayed in a, uh, you know, fourth, fifth choice or whatever it was, or or even sort of semi-pro level or whatever. But he decided to to push himself and test himself in a in a different environment with different people, and he's you know he absolutely flourished in, in most, yeah. you know, 
good. Probably when he the time when he when he had, when he had to come back to Wales, he could have probably chosen to go anywhere in the world, couldn't he? The, yeah. the form and the and the and everything he was in. Good God, can you imagine the damage Josh Adams would do at do, do at semi pro level? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So this is the last the last question. Thank you so much for being so generous with 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 your time. But I feel that we're going to break some, break some hearts here, which is. You told me at the start of the interview, before we started recording, of all the sports that you watch, the one you probably like watching least is rugby. Um, yeah, it probably is actually. Um, I, I, don't get me wrong. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of rugby on in the house and things anyway. But um, like I've, I've got, I've got in the back. Like this is how this is how sad. I've got Brighton and Everton on in the background at the minute, just on the TV in the in the background and things. And I suppose, yeah. Rugby would be probably down the list. Like I'd be if there's like a, which drives my 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 wife absolutely wild, <laughs> especially the last four days. Basically from seven o'clock until eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. It's been mass. It's been the Masters. The golf been on for for four solid days. Yes, I do like um, the golf actually. Yeah, there's all there's always um, there's always a football game on, or there's always a, a cricket game on, or like especially like the IPL's just started now for the cricket in India, and what? that sort of gets that gets chucked on as well. So there's a lot of sport that gets thrown on. Did- the Sky basically Sky Sky Sports could come could write to me and say they're up in their fees by five hundred percent, and I'd still pay <laughs> it because it's that important to me. Do Do you enjoy the golf for the sports, or do you, do you enjoy the golf because you like watching the events? I love the events rather rather than the sport. Yeah, the event. Yeah, the events. The events are especially. Yeah, the events are key. I think. I think especially from um from I say a, a fellow sports person, you you. You 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 appreciate what you you appreciate that what you see for the couple of hours that that you sit on your sofa and watch it isn't everything that gets put. You know you appreciate that how much work goes into to to putting up a good performance or, or seeing what you see on for a couple of hours on a Saturday afternoon or whatever. Yeah. You appreciate how much work goes into that that sort of performance and that event and um, yeah, I suppose it's just. And again, it's kind of the way I always, way I always sort of related to it is, is, yes, there's a lot. We watch a lot. I watch a lot of rugby in the house and things, and um, I enjoy it. But it probably would be the least favourite sport I, I would watch at home. But similar to sort of, I don't know, if you're if you're a, an accountant or a, or a bank or whatever, you probably wouldn't want to go home and put put the financial t- or read the financial times yeah. on a Saturday afternoon or something or other. You know what I mean? So. Um, that's the way I look at it in terms of that, really. But yeah, there's there's tons of sport that's on, and um, I've got to I've got to sort of swap the I've got to keep keep my keep the missus happy as well on on times as well. Uh, so line of to be fair, I had a break from the golf last night. I watched line of duty nine nine till ten o'clock, nice, um, which is pretty epic, <laughs> which is pretty epic. So one hour a week, um, yeah, she had, one, one hour, yeah, yeah. So we had one hour. Well, so Sunday nine to ten. Um, is line of duty time but otherwise there's loads of sport on yeah excellent well when you retire you can go and do the golf rounds of uh you know going to the masters and augusta and all um uh, and that, all the rest that's of my um that's my plan i've got a mate from school who um who we're who we're sort of um that's our aim when i when i retire from rugby we're going to go and do the the masters for a for uh for four days and uh and a bit of a bit of a bucket list trip i think yeah well i tell you what ever since this lockdown i've made a commitment that i'm going to do one event a month what, what whatever that is i don't know whether it's the, the cricket because i'm that literally walking distance from old trafford here or even, even okay e- even united i'll, I'll uh yeah. i'll go and watch that but just something every month 
Brilliant. Well, I've been I've been up to United a few times actually. We've got a good conduct in, uh, in United. Yes, you who do. Looks after us up there. So um, you do, don't I've you? Been, uh, because I've been because, up a few times. Because I've met him. He's in the commercial side, isn't he? Yeah, Jamie. Jamie, Jamie. that's so, that's uh, the boy. I, I tell him we have fun. I, I, have, you got, have you got time? We've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. You've got as much. You've got as much time as you want. And we uh, so anyway, me and me and a mate from school now. So basically, um. I can't remember who United were playing. I think they were, I think it was a Europa League game they were playing. Maybe Club Club Bruges, I think it was. So anyway, so obviously living up in Northampton now, it's it's, it's quite handy for us, especially yeah. on like a Wednesday or a Thursday night. You know, it's only a few hours. It's only a couple of hours up the up the road. We can jump in a car after training and, and head up. So anyway, they invited us into the directors. We we've been up a few times and they put us in. You know, some good hospitality, but. Um, they said, "Oh, why don't you come up? It's a little bit quieter, so we'll get you in the hospital hospitality lounge." Uh, and the directors and directors box, sorry. So we were like, right, okay. He said, oh, so we had to wear a suit and 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 tie and everything like that. So bearing in mind, oh, me and my mate from school are just like literally living the dream, being invited <laughs> into the directors box at Old Trafford. So we rock we rock into the directors box, and um, there's a secret. Uh, there's a back door right which goes into sort of a different directors lounge. Oh. And we op- they've opened that. They've shown us in. And bearing in mind, you've got like in the directors, you've got like. Um, like all um, David May, Dennis, you know, all these guys yeah. are sort of doing the rounds and all the hospitality. So there's some pretty big sort of big names and people there. But the, we went into the into the back room and the, on one table was uh, Sir Bobby Charlton and his wife sitting Amazing. down having dinner. On the other table was uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and uh, someone was with him sitting down having dinner. And they plonked me and my mate from school on, the, on a table with all the directors who had... Um, about six or seven American big from Chevrolet, the sponsor coming over. Uh, and so basically me and him, me and my mate from school just walked into this room and we were just, I've honestly never been so starstruck in our entire life going in there. I bet. I so, bet. So um, yeah, we, we did. all right. And actually, and actually, so Alex Ferguson, cause we were playing England the following week and Alex Ferguson actually, so for, I think this was like my life made basically. I, I think to be fair, I don't know sure if he knew who I was at all, but he, um, the guys introduced me and said, "Oh, this is you know Dan Bigger. He's he playing for Wales and they play in England next week." And he said, "Oh, good, uh, good luck for next week game. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I tune in to hope, hopefully see you beat the English sort of thing." So awesome. that was kind of life made when when Alex Ferguson talks back. You know, anyway. So I've actually met Sir Alex. Uh, can you guess where? Um, I wouldn't. Oh, are the races? N- no, close though. The AJ Bell no. Stadium. He's been twice. He went to watch Toulouse. Oh, he does go. Yeah, he yeah. does go a couple of times, doesn't he? Yeah, they've. Um, they, I think the Sale have got quite a good relationship with them, actually, haven't they? So, yeah, I think one of the owners yeah. must be friends because they, of course, they do the races too. Yeah. But yeah, it's that's it, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a really cool little sporting community. Uh, I think Sale have got some good links with Man City as well because they're always back, yeah. uh, back and forth between their training back ground. Back and forth for there. I gotta say, my I gotta say, Old Trafford slightly, slightly higher end than the AJ Bell Stadium. No I don't know about that, mate. Bell. But, <laughs> uh, well, I was at. Um, so my my co-host on the other podcast, Tim Cocker, he used to do the stadium announcement at Man City, and he okay. he got us into some uh, some corporate. And I can't believe this, but in the corporate in Man City, it, I mean, it's really smart. It's really smart, smart there. Uh, and yeah, I don't really I can imagine. care much for football. I, yeah. This is the thing. They sit you on a table with random people. So you don't know who you're going to be seated with. <laughs> so I was talking to these to a, a guy who was in his 50s. And he was quite nice. He was very, very chatty. Martin Keown and this guy's uh, wife, who is 
like 27. And I mentioned during the game, because he was sat in front of us, this older guy, uh, Man City were getting hammered. And I mentioned to my friend Tim, went, yeah, we should give the, give the gig to Duffy. And Duffy was the name of my old rugby coach. This old spins around and gives me a high five. I was like, what on earth is, why, why? Anyway, it turns out the guy's name is Billy Duffy. And he's some singer in a rock band. He assumed that I was talking about him. So that was that, that, that was kind of, kind of awkward. I think he was yeah. the Colts or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was the Colts. Okay. But yeah, it's, it, it is yeah. weird where, uh, where you find yourself. It's absolutely. And like I said, honestly, we walked in and we were like, me and my mate from school were just like, I think my, my mate from school was basically, um, was pretty much thinking that uh, it was worth sticking around with me for all these years just for that one <laughs> evening in, uh, in Old Trafford, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. Right. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you're not on social media, so I, I, I can't give you any plugs. No, I'm not. I'm not actually. So uh, my, 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 my wife actually is is doing her, some home baking at the minute. She's doing, well, I said she's starting a little baking company but, uh, at Bigger Bakes on Instagram. So if you want to give a plug out, then Bigger then Bakes it is the, then. That's the plug out. Fantastic. Well, so uh, she's, do, she's doing well with that. Well, best of luck with the rest of the season. I'll be rooting for you, but I'll also be rooting to see you in South Africa. So, best of luck, mate. Fingers crossed. Cheers, John. Thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye.